full circle. Full circle. Hi, I'm Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. Girlfriend, this is a place where you and I can connect. It's the show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Family, welcome to another edition of Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. So happy to be with you. I am so excited to have my guest on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Michelle Foss challenges us all to reconsider our relationship with television. She is the creator, producer, and host of The TV Doctor, which is a podcast in which she uses her training, instinct, and empathy to prescribe the very best TV show to heal your emotional ailments. And when she's not making the rounds as a speaker and podcaster, she is the professor of rhetoric and media at Sacramento State University, where she teaches classes including television criticism, rhetoric, and social influence and media aesthetics. I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) If you meet her, feel free to greet her with a Vulcan salute or a few words of Klingon, and that reminds me of one of, <laughs> one of my favorite shows that we'll talk about in just a minute. Dr. Michelle Foss, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to have you in the studio today. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. I'm so excited for this conversation. When I first met, well, saw you, didn't meet you actually, but when I first saw you, we were on a call. Friend to the show, Melissa Maganzo Murphy. Yes. Uh, we're part of a project that she's doing. And when I heard what you were, you know, we were all introducing ourselves, I was like, oh. That's interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, when you're on something like that, people start following each other. So I started following you and I was like, oh, yeah. What is this TV doctor? What is it? <laughs> Tell me more. Introduce yourself to the, to the Full Circle family. Hi, everyone. I am Michelle Foss and I am the TV doctor. Um, I am a professor, as you just heard, at Sac State. Uh, where I get the opportunity to work with so many incredible students who have ideas that just blow my mind every single day. The best students ever. Stingers up. Shout out to Sac State. Um, And so I kind of consider my job as a professor like my Bruce Wayne, you know, so I have the uh, it's it's a it's my life. It's very important to me. I love it. But I also have my Batman. And so my Batman is my podcasting life. Right. So when I go home, I put on the costume and I become (laughs) the TV doctor. Um, So I had the idea for the TV doctor, probably a at least a decade ago. It's been a really long time, a, a project that is a long time coming, but um, it was always sort of lurking in the back of my mind. And then a couple of things happened in short succession where it was like this thing and then that thing and that thing. And the universe was screaming at me to just do the thing. And so that's what ended up happening. Um, so I'm not leaving my job. I love my job, but now I am fully Batman as well. This so is, it's, it's a calling. And when you find that calling, that's it's right. really... 
it's hard to pull away. Yeah. It's hard, and it's it starts to enmesh between the two worlds. That's right. Completely. So yeah. my tagline is, I'm not a doctor on TV, but I play one in real life. I love that. And so kind of what that means is that I uh, I am not on television currently. So it's a throwback. You know, I think only people of a certain generation really get it yeah. because we used to see those commercials where they'd trot somebody out in the white coat and uh-huh. the person would say, um, I'm not a doctor on TV. Or no, they would say, I'm not a doctor in real life, but I play one on TV uh-huh. and we're supposed to take medical information from you. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I think that is the concept. Right. So I'm not a doctor on TV, but I do play one in real life where mm-hmm. I, I'm out here giving these quote unquote prescriptions, uh-huh. right? That please do not <laughs> please do not think that my podcast is a substitute for any medical professional. Right. Um, but but it is it does feel like play to me. Um, I wanna before we get into like our childhoods look before I put you on the couch (laughs) I want to ask about what you teach at Sac State so you talk about television criticism yeah rhetoric yeah social influence and media aesthetics yes Tell me a little about a, bit, a little bit about each of those. What those things are, yes. right? So um, I'm like, how far back can we go? We got <laughs> two hours. Can child. we go all the way back? Okay. <laughs> so, um, all right. Where does the story begin? All right. So I was uh, born in Central Oregon, and uh, a tiny little town. I I know you're like, wait, why are we going back no, all no, the way? No, no, it's all good. <laughs> all right. So uh, I'm born in Central Oregon, and. Uh, my mom is black, my dad was white, and so everybody in Oregon really looked like my dad, and then there was me and my mom, like, hello. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one day my dad was the one who dropped me off at school. This was like probably third grade. And so we, we uh, show up at the school and give him a hug and a kiss, out I go. My two little friends were waiting for me, friends, quote unquote, and uh, they're looking at me like, hmm. And, and I'm, I go up to them and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they were like, oh, well, we didn't know you were adopted. And I was like, oh, I'm adopted? Like, I didn't know that either. Wow. Oh. So I go home and I'm like, mom, you know, you could have told me I was adopted. I'm a big girl. I'm like eight at the time. You could have told me I was adopted. And she was like, you're not adopted. What are you talking about? And I was like, well, you know, my friends said that I'm black and my dad is white. So that means I'm adopted. Mm. What did we know? Right. And so... My mom was like, okay, well, so now we're going to have this conversation about mixed race, right? And how do you explain that to a little kid? Mm -hmm. So uh, she was like, hmm, all right, well, let's, let's, she, she and I had been watching TV together forever and, and it wasn't the kind of thing where it was like, just plunk me down in front of the TV set and let me be. It was more like, uh, well, what do you think of that? And what do you think that means? And how does that person feel, do you think? So she was encouraging me to be a critical viewer from the minute I started watching these shows with her, even cartoons. She was like, well, what does Bugs Bunny mean when he says, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So she, one of the shows that we watched a lot together was Star Trek. And my favorite character, well, I loved Uhura, of course. Mm-hmm. I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really responded to Spock in a lot of ways. And Spock, for folks who may not be Trekkies, whatever, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Spock is a Vulcan, but he is, his father is Vulcan and his mother is actually from Earth. So my mom says, okay, well, think about Spock. And I'm like, I thought we were talking about me being adopted, yeah. right? 
And she says, well, what's Spock? And I'm like, he's the science officer. She was like, no, no, no. I mean, like, what kind of, what, where does he come from? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, he's Vulcan. And she said, well, is he, is that it? He's just Vulcan. And I said, well, I mean, his dad is Vulcan. His mom is human, but he's Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, okay, why do you say that? And I said, well, you know, he's just around all the humans. And so they don't really see the human part of him what, which is like them, they only see what's different about him. Mm. And I'm starting to put two and two together. And I'm like, wait, am I Spock? And she's like, well, I mean, kind of. So I, I was like, that. oh, I'm Spock. <laughs> awesome. So I go back to school the next day and I'm like, listen, I'm Spock and that's fine. And they're like, Spock, what are you talking? Like, get out of here. So I didn't earn any new friends by that. But um so that moment kind of stayed with me throughout, uh, you know, all of school. I started paying more attention and looking for more examples of representations of who I was, who I am, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I get to college, um, I'm plucking along and just taking my classes. But every semester or every term, we were on the quarter system, but every term, I would take what I called a fun class, right? So I'm, I'm working towards something, but then I'm really uh, enjoying these random classes, having a, a fun class every term. And so I get to my junior year and I met with an advisor and the advisor was like, you know, I noticed you're still undeclared as far as a major. And I said, well, I don't really, um, I don't like anything enough mm-hmm. to major in it. And she was like, well, that's not true because here's your transcript and every single term you're taking classes in communication. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 I cannot (laughs) because my grandmother would have a fit because that's not a real thing. (laughs) I need to study something real Uh like medicine or, you know, I I went in thinking I was going to be a biology major because I wanted to work with like killer whales and stuff like that. I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, what if that was my life now? What? Uh, so, so I was like, no, no, no. I, I have to study something real. And my advisor was like, well, okay, here's something real. Real talk is that if you want to graduate, mm-hmm. this is your major. <laughs> because otherwise, what are you doing? Right. right. So I became a, com, uh, a communication major in that moment. Uh, and my grandmother did, in fact, have a fit. She was like, "What? Well, you're never going to get a job. That's not a real thing. What are you? You're throwing away your life. She was intense. She, yeah, she was a doctor as well. So like a, a, a doctor of education. So. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, but that was it. I chose it. I had no idea what the next step might be. But uh, when I got to the end of of my my undergraduate, my time in un- in undergraduate, uh, I di- I I didn't know what to do, but I I thought, okay, is there a way that I can just keep doing this mm-hmm. because I love it? I don't feel like I'm done, so I guess that means maybe I'm going to try to go to grad school because I just I want to. Now that I've figured out what I'm doing, yeah. I want to do more of this. So I ended up going to uh, a master's program at UC Davis in rhetoric and communication. And I had never, I mean, I had heard the word rhetoric, but I didn't know that it was something you could study. Mm-hmm. And because uh, communication is defined differently, whatever school you go to. Yeah. 
So I get to UC Davis and I take a class from Dr. Kent Ono in media criticism. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. And he comes in on the first day of class and he has all of these books and he spreads them out on the table. And he's like, okay, these are some of the books that we're going to be reading. And one of them caught my eye. It was a book with the Starship Enterprise on the cover. And I'm like, I have a question. (laughs) That is one of the books that we will be reading? And he was like, yes. I said, follow-up question, maybe a few. Um, So we are going to be in this class talking about and reading about and possibly writing about Star Trek? And he was like, yes. So I was like, okay. Last question. (laughs) Last question. Um, So you mean to tell me that it is your job. People pay you to come and talk to the people about Star Trek. That's your job. And he was like, yeah, it's a little more involved than that. But essentially, yes. So I was like, oh, that's it. Like, that's it. That is it. (laughs) Whatever I have to do to do that for the rest of my life and people will give me money. Yeah, I'll be doing that. Thank you very much. So uh, that set me on the path to uh, getting my Ph.D. from the University of Florida. Go Gators. And uh, while I was there, you know, the whole point of being there was I wanted to be a professor in college. So when I finished up at Florida, I came home. Uh, Home is Sacramento now. We left Oregon. Uh, You know, no shade to Oregon, but like (laughs) that was a thing that needed to happen. Um, So I I consider myself from Sacramento. My family has deep roots here. So I came home to Sacramento, and uh, my my um, I had a a colleague. Oh, I I started teaching part time at some schools in in Stockton, and one of my colleagues was a, a a an adjunct professor at Sac State as well. So she taught at Sac State, and she taught also in Stockton with me, but we both lived in Sacramento, so we would carpool down to Stockton. And so one day she says, okay, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going down to Stockton today because I have to go to a funeral. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, who, who passed? And she said, oh, it's one of the professors at Sac State. And I was like, oh man, who, who, you know, who was it? And she said, oh, it was Leah Vandenberg. So Leah Vandenberg was a person who had written an article in that book with the Star Trek cover. Oh my goodness. I loved that article that she wrote so much that it became kind of the cornerstone for my entire thesis and my dissertation. So here was this person who had been so important Mm. to my growth as a scholar and as an academic, and she was right there at Sac State all this time, and I didn't didn't know know. it, and now she was gone. Mm. So... um, that was, uh, you know, it shook me. Um, and but when she passed, her position at Sac State came open. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I was like, "This is this is the universe saying, no coincidence. Here you go, yeah. right?" And so I applied for that job. I oh, I'm getting chills. Mm. Yeah. I'm getting every time I tell that story. I I it it just. <clears throat> it hits me so because it it's solidifying your destiny. Correct. The whole time, it, all the little each of those are little coming steps. into play. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, wow. TV criticism. Th- that was the long way around, <laughs> but 
TV criticism. Leave it to a professor. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I know, right? But look, I'm tying it back. I'm tying it back. Uh, so TV criticism is a class that she designed. So she built that class from the ground up. She wrote the textbook that I continue to use in that class. Um, part of what uh, her the favorite parts of the job for her was working with grad students. That has become one of my favorite parts of the job. So um, TV criticism is basically, it, it is what it sounds like. It's not a, you know, yeah. a surprise, but it, we look at television as rhetoric, essentially. So what is television doing to shape our hearts and minds and souls, right? Um, we look at it as artistic persuasion, um, and really kind of recognizing and respecting and appreciating, but also interrogating, right? Um, and indicting, in some cases, this medium that is so incredibly powerful, right? So uh, all of the other classes are kind of connected to that same idea of really digging into these things that feel very commonplace to us. And we uh, have a tendency not to think deeply about them, uh, so all of the classes that I teach are really designed to get down into the guts mm -hmm. of these uh, rhetorical artifacts, really, um, mm. and, uh, and think about how they are impacting us and how we are using them to construct our understanding of our world. Ooh, that was a whole sorry. Lot. No, no, no. <laughs> That's no, a lot. Do not That's be a lot. sorry. Okay. No, do not be sorry because there's a lot of good nuggets. So you saw me over here writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I gonna... love taking notes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Dr. Michelle Foss, the TV doctor. This conversation is going to be so good. We'll be right back after this, fam. This is Full Circle. Empowerment through conversation. That starts with you. Tell us what topics you want to hear. Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. We're back, family. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. I am so excited about this conversation. My guest is Dr. Michelle Foss. She is the TV doctor. And if, you, if you're just now joining us, the first 20 minutes of the conversation have just already been so <laughs> like enlightening. And I love what you, what you shared about your mom mm -hmm. and about how she sat with you and really she didn't just watch TV for the sake of watching TV. Like right. she gave you things to think about Absolutely. and challenged you even at a young age yeah. about television. Yeah. And now you're repeating the cycle with your own daughter. I am. Yeah, I am. So, you know, I give my mom a, a little bit of a hard time uh -huh. every now and then because I was watching things that maybe the, the masses might think that's too mature for her. Like she's too young to be watching those things. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lot of content that went over my head, things that I didn't get. But there were also, um, I think my way of looking at the world was informed by those kind of adult. And by adult, I don't mean, you know, like adult adult, right. but, um, right. but, but mature, uh, maybe like the PG-13 kind of level is where I was, right? <clears throat> So there's so much about what uh, I watched and what she helped me process so early in my life mm -hmm. uh, that informed the way that I look at the world now. So uh, I also do that with my daughter. She's three and a half. And uh, we we actually watch a lot of Star Trek together. And, <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, again, she's just a kid. But so I, I know a lot of the stuff is going over her head. But she... She understands, like, that's the captain, and the, the captain is, you know, it's important to him or to her 
or to, you know, anybody, it's important that that person is, uh, that it's important to that person that the people that they work with are taken care of mm-hmm. and are, you know, doing their job. And so she's kind of picking up on these ideas of responsibility and community and connectedness yeah. and uh, friendship and love, you know. So these are things that uh, obviously a three-year-old uh, can feel and can experience and recognize. And this is really a good time for children in television to, you know, look at all of the strides that Sesame Street are mm-hmm. making. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them a little late, but it's all right. right. Better late than never. Like <laughs> right. they just had their first Asian Muppet yeah. uh, recently. But the way they're starting to expand, and I think for kids right now, this is a great. TV can really be a great medium of learning and That's understanding, right. like you said. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I think it, the the inclination is to look at TV like the devil, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's right. the boob tube, right. you know, turn it off, the idiot box. Uh, but there is a lot of good that can come mm-hmm. from engaging with TV. It is, you know, our primary mode of storytelling and that's kind of what makes humans unique as a species is that we tell stories and so if we look at how many of our stories come from television and how often we're engaging with that medium um, we're looking at really how we are shaping our social truths what we know think and feel a lot of that content is coming to us from television right Mm -hmm. so uh, it's it's more important than ever that we are looking and thinking carefully yeah. about television. Yeah, and not just placing your child in front of the TV no. as a, a means of entertainment while you do something right. else. But it really can be a medium that we can use to bond and to, to develop. Right. Let's talk about the connection between our emotions and TV. Yes. Because this that's a big one. You know, we have everything from the things that bring up nostalgia for us. Yes. We also have the the, the shows and the characters that we ride for. That's right. <laughs> uh, just FYI, I am part of the Lawrence Hive. Okay. Just so the, you know. Okay. We'll talk about Fair Insecure in a bit. Fair enough. But, um, you know, we have the, you know, we have our Game of Thrones and our people like our Trekkies and things like sure. that where we just go all in. Why do we, why do you think yeah. we have such a connection in that way right. to television? Yeah. So, I, you know, it kind of... I guess I stole my own thunder, but it goes back to exactly what I was just saying, that we are a storytelling creature, Mm -hmm. humans are. And that's one of the primary ways in which we communicate with each other and uh, and connect with each other is through storytelling. We tell stories. Even if you think about you get home at the end of the day and it's like, you know, you talk to whoever's there. Well, how was your day today? Well, let me tell you, it started off with this and then this happened. And remember I told you about so-and-so? Yeah. So then that person said, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? So we we enact these dramatic performances with each other, right? And so television is uniquely able to tap into that storytelling gene, if you will. I don't think it's actually connected to the genetics, but uh, but s- television is able to tell the stories, but then it adds to that a layer of meaning with images. 
And then there's another layer of meaning that comes with how the images are moving, like how it's edited, right? And then there's another layer of meaning that comes with the music and the sound effects and that kind of stuff. So television is really designed to kind of come at you in so many different directions. It's not just about telling the story. It's Mm -hmm. about hearing it and seeing it and bringing it to life. So it's inevitable that it's going to connect with our, the different emotional parts of our human experience, right? Because it is it is designed to do exactly that, to mm-hmm. tap into all of the different ways that you build those feelings. Yeah. I just was thinking about the connection that we have and how things resonate with us so deeply for one way, for one reason or another. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you can say a line mm-hmm. and you see it on, on, on social media, right? Someone will start a line and people will finish it because yes. again, we have that connection. Yeah, that's or right. Same thing where we describe a scene. If I said love Jones, mm-hmm. most people will talk about either the scene where Darius and Nina are in the rain and at the, you know, the final scene, yes. you know, or different things like that. We, just have those connectors. That's right. I, I love that. What was your, outside of Star Trek, what yeah. was your other favorite show growing up? Oh, I loved all of the shows. Like, <laughs> I, I really did. I loved everything. There were no shows that I, I didn't, I, that I was just like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a distinct memory of one Sunday night where something happened that where there, there was some kind of like special mm-hmm. where they moved the timeline of when the shows would be airing. Mm-hmm. They bumped it down an hour, which was interfering with my bedtime. Mm-hmm. And I was wrecked because I was able to watch Silver Spoons. I was able to watch uh, Punky Brewster, <laughs> but I was unable to watch Knight Rider because now it was too late. So uh-huh. that I, I was devastated by that. I don't know why that, <laughs> that memory uh, is so clear in my mind, but... Uh, so I loved that. I loved all of the sitcoms, um, Different Strokes, The Jeffersons, right? Um, and then I also really loved kind of the quote unquote educational TV. So you mentioned Sesame Street. My, you know, when you used to fill out the the little questionnaire when you're a little kid, and it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh-huh. My answer was. Well, prior to 1986, I wanted to be an astronaut. 1986 is when Challenger mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, hey, nope, mm, <laughs> nope, that's, that's that. scary. Uh, but then, so then my answer became, I wanted to be on The Muppet Show. Now, I didn't want to be a Muppet. I wanted to be like the human yeah. guest, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to be on The Muppet Show. So I, I loved that. And I still have a, a lot of fondness for um, everything that comes out of that world. And then, of course, cartoons. Like, I loved cartoons. Animation is still very uh, near and dear to my heart Mm -hmm. because then that's another level, right? So, like, Scooby-Doo I loved and Bugs Bunny and, you know. And now as an adult, when I've I've got even more critical skills, I'm seeing how deeply, deeply problematic so many of those texts are, right? Mm -hmm. So so many of those shows are. Um, But there's a, a unique positioning that happens uh, and this is part of what I teach is is being able to process certain shows as a fan versus as a critic. That's what I was just going to say. Like, yeah. do you ever turn off that lens? I, I can't. I can turn it down, mm-hmm. but I can't turn it off. Okay. So there are certain shows that I there's still that voice in the back of my mind that's like, why are we watching this? Mm. Why are we giving time? 
and mental energy to this trash. Let's be honest, <laughs> right? Um, so I can turn it down, but I can never turn it all the way off. There's always that voice that's like, mm. I'm just going to dive in. We, we'll, we can come back to some of the other conversation. Yes. But you saying that, yeah. I watched this show the other night oh boy. for the first time. Well, it was, it was a premiere. Yeah. Abbott Elementary. Yes. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Really? <laughs> oh, no. We'll, we'll have to we'll have oh. to circle back over coffee because I don't yes. want to spoil anything okay. for okay. you. Okay. Oh, I'm, I had really I'm high hopes. I'm giving it all of the gas face I can give oh, it. That's all I'm no. going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm, so disappointing. I'm giving it the, I'm giving okay. It well, let me, let me give you one back. Okay. Queens. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know we're out here rooting for Brandy and we're rooting for Eve. What is it about mm. that show that is oh, just like, because, you know, I know a couple of people that are like, that is just not it. It's it's not even not it. It doesn't even know what it is. <laughs> no. It's so bad. Oh, it's no. so bad it's so so here's the thing there's another show that i'm i am i'm working on an episode of the podcast and that episode is going to be devoted to the dragging through the mud of a different show Mm -hmm. uh called la brea have you seen that by any chance no i have not it is it has earned where people fall in the hole (laughs) correct (laughs) (laughs) and listen i'm okay with falling through the hole right like i loved lost i loved that nothing about that made sense Uh it's fine i was here for the ride Uh with la brea it it is quite literally the worst show i've ever seen Mm. in terms of the writing is so stupid and i really hope that i don't know anybody who works on that show Mm. because i i have nothing but bad things to say about it (laughs) um but queens and they premiered i want to say in the same week Mm -hmm. um queens i it's bad in that way as well it's bad like la brea is bad the writing is is not good Mm -hmm. the um the storyline is predictable mm-hmm. um, and ridiculous. So there are those things, but also there are the the critical things, right? So there's just kind of the regular, I don't like it because it's bad TV. Mm-hmm. Then there's the more important layer, which is I don't like it because I think it's bad for us, mm-hmm. right? So there's a difference between you're not going to enjoy it um, or shame on you if you enjoy it. And shame on you if you internalize any of this stuff that the show is saying. I'm going to just say that's how I feel about Abbott. And yeah. then we'll talk next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? It's funny that you say that, too, is because I started to watch TV in a way that was more critical in, in, in general. Yeah. And I got to this point where I was like, there's nothing left in terms of storytelling. There really is nothing left. We are really to let telling television the same tell you, yeah, story, right, just in different ways, right, 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 right. It's like we and hit that's a wall. not true, but oh. but that's what they're they're that's making you feel. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's not true. There and really, um, when something does feel new and fresh to you, it's probably because it's representing a population that has been historically mm. excluded from that medium, right? So, um, insecure. I was just listening to an interview 
um, that Jay Ellis gave. Uh, you see, I'm, I'm already see, dragging us into. <laughs> here no, we go. We're going it. into. Let's into do it. No, no, no. This is a good thing. This is a good thing, especially since you are a, an Lawrence avowed Hive. member of yes. the Lawrence Hive. Yes. So, <laughs> so uh, this interview he was giving was that um, as as like those of us watching feel like we know a dude like Lawrence, right? Mm. But a lot of the population is like, I've never seen this guy on TV before, mm. right? Who is incredibly well-educated, who is, um, you know, smart beyond the education, right? Before and after and during and all of the things, um, but who makes these really ridiculous decisions, mm -hmm. right? Who uh, is sabotaging his life at every step, mm -hmm. um, who is expressing his emotions and who is communicating eventually um, with the important people in his life. So like that, we know, we know Lawrence, we have a Lawrence in the crew, right? Yeah. Um, but television doesn't know Lawrence. And so he becomes that kind of unique mm -hmm. representation that is really um, striking people as important because he hasn't been seen in the medium. Oh, man, that's such a great point. That was his point, not mine. <laughs> that was such a great yeah. point is yeah. that we're used to seeing day days just for lack of Correct. a better name. Right, right, right. But right. we're so used to seeing that right. versus the young man that's actually, even though he's got issues, he right. doesn't have it all together. Right. But he's, you know, productive and he's, that's right. you know, smart and everything like, oh, that's, that's right. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So there is still there. There are still, there are stories, still stories to tell. To that's right. That's right. That's I right. I feel like I, I don't know. I just I feel like and I get what you're saying. And now I want to look at TV a little bit differently. Yeah. Because I do feel like, oh, OK, and this is what's going to happen. And she's going to do this. And mm -hmm. Even with Queens, I was like, oh, he the husband's going to die. Of course. You know, like it was so <laughs> like, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. Right. Right. And I'm sure I haven't watched the episode, but I'm sure that the baby's mama shot Eve and, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah, I yeah. get it. And it feels like, and even with movies too, it feels like we're telling the yeah. same stories, but right. I like how, and you're, and now that I think about it, you're right. And it also exposes us to uh, different parts of life that we don't know about. Yes. Like some of my favorite show, like right now, two of the shows that I loved that are, they're seasoned out. They're all done. Yeah. Um, is uh, Atypical, which I yes. <laughs> totally love that. Yeah. Which I don't have anyone. So for people that are listening, it's about someone that's on the autism spectrum. And yeah. it's a young man and he's navigating his way through life but yeah. i love that i yeah. gravitate towards the shows that are yeah. like what i call kind of quirky yes most of the shows that i love only get one season right and i was trying to think as i was preparing for us this over the last week or so i was thinking what is that about me that i like those like off the beaten path and mm -hmm. i think because that's how i describe myself like i feel like yeah. i'm a little quirky like i have this really kind of dark dry yeah weird sense of humor yeah that is you know and i feel like i'm kind of a little bit of a i don't want to say an outcast but i'm just a little mm -hmm. to the left of center mm -hmm. yeah same <laughs> same 100 percent. so that's that's part of i i'm the same way where a lot of the shows that i have loved the most have just been like yeah we've gifted you with that one thing and then goodbye right you know and it it just but 
if it's the right kind of show, it stays with you. You kind of refuse to let it mm-hmm. dissipate, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, that show, my favorite show of the last, two, like my favorite show during pandemic, basically, mm-hmm. um, was I May Destroy You. Oh, Did you see that? Yeah. On, uh, on HBO. Okay. Um, and I just felt like it was perfect across the board. Well, it's not ever going to be perfect because it's still television. Mm-hmm. And I have a very um, a mostly love, but a little bit, it's a love-hate relationship mm-hmm. where because television is so powerful, when it gets it right, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is everything I need. But when it gets it wrong, it's so painful yeah yeah so um i just felt like i may destroy you got so many things right and just told us a story i've never i don't know people like that Mm -hmm. you know like i relate to those characters in a lot of ways but um that felt like a completely unique fresh story to me um and then i loved lovecraft country that one I, I couldn't oh, get into. I loved it. I loved it. Because also you said dark and twisty. Like the other one other line of my research is about horror. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, this is emerging. It is horror. <laughs> it is black folks. It is sci-fi. It's just, it's it was a present for me wrapped up in a bow. I think the sci-fi thing is where I got lost. I'm not, I will watch sci-fi. I'm not going to gravitate towards it. Like that's if fine. I'm, like yeah. My brother's like a huge sci-fi fan. Yeah. So when I go to his house, like, I know that's what we're watching. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> I've, I've reconciled it in my mind. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to tip, I'm not going to gravitate towards that. Yeah. Typically. So I think that's why the Lovecraft country. I was like, what is that? Black oh, vampire? I love it. Oh, I, love I, just- <laughs> it. I love it. And because it, you know, sometimes there are, it could be that story where it's just horror and sci-fi and black folks. But the fact that it roped in that historical, mm-hmm. right, that it it used actual moments from our history and then told those stories in that sci-fi horror format um, was a very clever way to get that message across, right? So that's part of the reason why I love Star Trek too, is because it's almost like I've, um, well, I don't want to say poison. <laughs> it's not, it's think of like poisoning, but nice, like nice you're poisoned poison. with, yeah, nice poison. <laughs> Where, you know, they're cooking up this this excellent sci-fi soup, but they've dropped in a little consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they've put that in there and you almost don't even taste it. You don't know that you've ingested that until maybe later you're like, huh, oh, I thought this was just about Klingons. That's so true. Right. No, this is actually about race mm-hmm. or this is actually about discrimination, right? And bigotry. So, um that that's what I think that show did very well. And the other show that did that so great was um, Watchmen. Did you watch that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking that when you were saying that too. You're right. Going back to Star Trek. Now that I think about it, that was one of the show. I did watch Star Trek quite a bit. Um, and you're right. When I think about, it, especially the 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 first episodes, like the very beginning of yeah. the of the series. Yeah. 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 The pilot. That was those. It, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it was those things where they were outcasting this group of people mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, those were some lessons that we got. Yeah. How, do you feel like we have those same lessons now as strong in TV? If they if they are, 
it's a little clunky. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's too heavy handed. And I think part of the genius of mm. of Star Trek specifically, but a lot of, of sci-fi programming um, and a lot of horror programming as well. Horror does this um, also beautifully uh, is that it was subtle enough that you you accepted it mm-hmm. pretty easily. And, you know, we don't have to accept it. It's that part is not really for us. Like we already get it, but it is our experiences being discussed, being represented, right? Whether it's about gender or race or whatever. So um, I think stories that are being created now are still wanting to have that conversation with their audience, but it is a volatile time Mm -hmm. right it is a very delicate ecosystem right now Mm -hmm. in terms of messaging and and uh the inclination to attack is at an all-time high yeah right so i think that need to be careful or more thoughtful is maybe keeping some of that not aggression, but it's it's keeping that confidence mm-hmm. in this is an important message. We need to share this with our audience and we want to tell it this way. I think that um, has been reduced yeah. by the sociopolitical climate. Do you think that uh, because in hearing this conversation, I was thinking about I was watching something on YouTube the other day and a, um, one of a media, a radio personality out of Philly. She does this daily recap mm-hmm. and she was talking about and just like that, which mm. is the sequel mm-hmm. to Sex and the mm-hmm. City, which I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that people were criticizing the first episode because they were saying it was too woke because, um, you know, uh, I think it was Charlotte was like, oh, I don't have any black friends. Somebody was like, I don't have any black friends. Right. And now they have Nicole Larry Parker. Right. And I guess the conversation I haven't seen the first episode yet, but I guess the conversation was such that it made people feel like they were trying to impart too much blackness in Uh this show. Uh Your thoughts? Well, yeah, it made people, right? So whenever that, (laughs) it's it's quote-unquote people. um, And it's kind of like, well, say what you mean. And Mm -hmm. that's part of the problem, Mm -hmm. right? Because in my community, in my circles, we've been talked about that, (laughs) you know, but in the reverse, Right. So the fact that they never acknowledged it, they never said, you know, hey, do we have y'all ever hung out with with black women? Like, mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. do you do you have any friends? Right. Here, right? <laughs> um, we we have been calling them to the carpet for that very thing yeah. since the beginning, since back then. And I love the show, too. That's mm-hmm. but that's one of those things where yeah. it's like, oh, am I a fan right. or am I a critic? Right. Yeah. So um you know, when these folks are um, upset because now it is it's in your face a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you should be upset, but you shouldn't be upset with the show. Right. You should be upset at yourself. Right. Yeah. Because it's making you uncomfortable. Why is that making you uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. When we've, we've been noticed this yeah. for a long time. Yeah. So you're just getting a little bit of a taste just a just a dab of it imagine how it feels to live that every single day right 24 mm-hmm. 7 so yeah Ooh. be mad is kind of how i feel about that <laughs> i love that. i'm glad you're mad <laughs> 
I love that. I know. I was like, what do they mean when I was watching that? The other yeah. day? I was like, what do they mean? Yeah. It's about time. Yes. You know? Right. Confront it. Yeah. They threw us a bone with Jennifer Hudson in the sure movie. Sure did. But, you know, no. that wasn't enough. Oh, and she's all excited about the... Po- okay. Turn this off. <laughs> I would love to watch TV at your house. Yeah. <laughs> And hear all the commentary. And yeah, because I edit for the for the podcast. I don't say all the things. That's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> I want to ask you about uh, media aesthetics. Yes. What is that? Yeah. So um, it goes back to what I was saying about the different layers of meaning, right? Okay. So there's the the script, the narrative, the plot, right? The story as it's spoken on the page. Now, the way that they bring that to a screen is through aesthetics, right? So aesthetics is just talking about kind of what is this that makes it interesting Mm. or beautiful or um, compelling in some kind of way, right? So we're talking about um, there, there are the aesthetics of narrative, like how can you construct a narrative to make it more interesting or more appealing to an audience? But then we're thinking about things like where do you place the camera? If I, if the camera is up here, um, then what does that communicate? What are the meanings that are connected to that versus down here? What about the lighting? If we put this person in shadow, what does that mean? How do we now feel about this? If we put the light behind them, if we have the light coming from below them, now Mm. we feel like they're scary or evil in some way, right? Um, We're talking about sound. We're talking about genre. We're talking about editing, right? We're talking about um, where does the person fall in the frame? So in the um, house calls that we do... Mm -hmm every Monday night and for three more times and then (laughs) Insecure is gone. Um, But we talk a lot about the thought bubble shot, right? So that's a shot that Insecure goes back to time and time again where the character will be shoved kind of into a corner of the frame, right? Or off to the side of the frame, which then in that, like on your screen, what that looks like is all of this space, Mm -hmm. right? And we're used to seeing people centered or kind of around the middle of the frame. So when they shove that character off to the side and having them, uh, you know, look, they're usually not talking in the thought bubble shot. It's they're just kind of sitting there so it leaves all of that space in the frame that we then fill up with what are they thinking it's like we fill that space in the frame so media aesthetics is taking a look at each of these different aesthetic elements and talking about how each one of those layers impacts our overall understanding and appreciation uh, of whatever that media artifact is it's like the psychology of tv it is and we don't even know, just us, me, us as regular old TV watchers right. don't even realize right. how this really Correct. comes into play. Correct. Right. But now you do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you watch, so I, I tell my students in that class, in media aesthetics class all the time, that if you become, after this class, if you become the person in your circle that nobody wants to watch TV or film with you because mm-hmm. you're ruining it mm-hmm. <laughs> for them because you're saying, oh, did y'all see that? Like, right. let's re- let's rewind. And, oh, look, look at that. Look yeah. at that thought bubble shot mm-hmm. right there. Um, so if I have ruined you, then my job has been well done. 
man, this is such an education. <laughs> I had no, I, you know, and I, I was watching something uh, yesterday. Um, oh, Issa had put out that they were doing a director's kind of like a call competition yeah. for directors yeah, yeah, yeah. for HBO. Yeah. And I was thinking about that yesterday, like, wow, I wonder, I didn't realize how much it takes to direct. Yes. Right. Because you need to know all, all of those these kind of things. That's right. Yeah. You know, you need to. So and that's the gag, right? You already do. You already yeah. know these things because they, they are working on you all the time. But it's just kind of calling attention to them. Like, look at this. This is how this is working. Right. And the best shows are the ones and films are the ones that know what you expect. Right. The scary film, you know, a lot of the stuff happens at night where it's dark and you can't see what's hiding in the shadows, right? The shadows is where the creepy lives. Mm -hmm. When they flip that expectation, they violate that expectation. And now the scary stuff is happening during the day. It's like, oh, you are recognizing what I expect Mm -hmm. and then playing with that, which has an even bigger effect, right? Because we are so programmed to kind of know this means that and this means that. Mind blown. <laughs> Mind blown. Wow. <laughs> Such interesting conversation, family. I hope you're learning as much as I am because we are getting a lesson today. <laughs> and we'll, I, I know I will never watch TV the same. Woo-hoo. So I'll be a little bit more critical. We're going to take a quick break, family. When we come back more with Dr. Michelle Foss, she is the TV doctor. (laughs) We'll be right back after this. It's Full Circle. Like and share our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5. Family. Thank you so much for being here. I am thoroughly enjoying my conversation with Dr. Michelle Foss. She is a professor of rhetoric and media at Sac State. And we have been talking about the connection that we have with television. And you know, Michelle just blew my mind with the whole aesthetic <laughs> about the shadows and the lighting and the thought bubble, which now your post makes a little bit more sense to me mm-hmm. about L. Just gonna say yeah. L. <laughs> Our boy L. Our boy L. But I want to talk about what you're doing. Uh, you have Monday nights. You have house calls, right? Um, on Instagram Live, yes. Uh, with your girl, what's what's her name? Um, she goes by Miss Champagne. Miss Champagne. Yes. And, uh, Miss Champagne's face be beat. To the gods. The, for the, right for yes. the Instagram Live. So make sure you join them Monday nights. 5.30 Pacific. 5.30 Pacific. Yes. And they are talking all things insecure. That's right. For three more weeks three now. More maybe weeks. Maybe we'll do a fourth to just kind of wrap it all up. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm hoping that the fourth wrap up, the, the aftermath yes. will be what I want it to be. Of course, I want Issa and, and Lawrence to be together. I don't know. You know I know. I don't I know. Don't, Although in that same interview that I was just talking about, mm-hmm. I did he did say something that I was like, oh, they going to put these two together. They going to put them together. Are you saying that like you don't want them together? I don't. Really? I don't. I think Issa needs... This has been a great I, show. Thank you, Issa. No, <laughs> um, you can go ahead and see your way right? out. Yes. Uh, yeah. You did make a good point, though, yeah. uh, on, on house calls. And go ahead. I, uh, oh, I, I, cut you off. I don't remember. You what? were going to say that you thought Issa needs to be alone. Oh, yeah. I think Issa needs, needs some time. Like, her, she needs to be dating the block right now. And by that, I don't mean... Yeah. Everybody, everybody on the block. <laughs> I don't mean be around the block. Yeah. Uh, but um, her company, yeah. which she didn't even remember the full name of it 
for a minute. So yeah. I, I think she needs to take some time and just adjust her focus. And if love finds its way mm-hmm. um, to her, great. But I think part of the, the issue that I have with Lawrence, and I talked about this on House Calls a couple weeks ago, um, but it's an idea that I can't, I'm, I haven't chewed my way all the way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Issa is the kind of person, and, and we, we all know somebody like this, right? Maybe we've been that person, where the, the story of the relationship is more attractive to her than the reality of the relationship. So I think she she can't let Lawrence go because of the her background and her story and her history with Lawrence. So it's not that Lawrence that would be a good relationship for her. Mm-hmm. It's that she just can't she can't close that book. She can't let that be a chapter and then move on to the next thing. And poor Nathan Boo. Oh, we don't I love Nate. We got no love for Nate. I got no love for Nathan. Oh. <laughs> no, I I I know. I mean, well, so Nathan also has issues. Um, and Lawrence has issues, yeah. right? But again, it it's that's part of why I really love the show is that they're giving us these complicated characters who we are meeting kind of as they are, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, all of these characters have these deep flaws that resonate with us because it's like, yeah, like I also struggle yes. with my mental health. Yeah. I also feel this and that. So, um, so with 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 our boy Nate, <laughs> I, I heard people are calling themselves the Nathan Navy. Have oh you my heard, like, so we've got the Lawrence <laughs> Hive and the Nathan Navy. But um, so with with him, I think there's no. There's no chance that she actually ends up with him either. Yeah, I I think um, his story in her life is just an interruption mm-hmm. in the overall Lawrence story, and she's having a hard time breaking out of that narrative. Yeah. Um. So I just want her to close that book and then move forward. And but really, it, but yeah, her self care Sunday really needs to be self care Sunday and just focus on herself. Correct. Or it needs to be self care every day. Right. She, Cause she needs more. <laughs> I think that's it. And hearing you say that, I think I feel like that's why we connect so strongly with these characters is because they mirror a part of our totally. life in right. some way, even parts that we haven't accepted yeah. about right. ourselves. Yeah. 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 I know that she probably won't end up with Lawrence, but I just want I just want that. I think she might. Uh, I, I, I want it. That, but I don't want to get my hopes up. <laughs> I and then, and then on the last show, I'll be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? But so you do house calls Monday nights. We do. And then you also have your podcast. Correct. I am the TV doctor. Tell us about that. So uh, the TV doctor is a place where I am working through these different things in life that complicate our our daily work, right? So um, it would be a great day if only your the boss that you loved wasn't leaving the company or whatever. Um, it would be great if your family could love and appreciate your significant other the way you do. Um, it would be great if you didn't wake up every morning and look at the sky like, what is my life, mm-hmm. right? It would be great <laughs> if that didn't happen. So the idea behind the podcast is that Television has considered all of these things Mm -hmm. already. So if this is what you're going through and you've realized this is something that I'm I'm not enjoying or this is complicating my life, 
you you come and tell me all your symptoms Mm -hmm. and then i will prescribe for you the tv that you should be watching to work through whatever that situation is so if we use the example of um my family hates my significant other then i might recommend um charmed for you where uh, one of the sisters, it's a its a show of, about, in case I'm dating myself, it's a show about a family of witches mm-hmm. and uh, three sisters, and they are charged with ridding the world of demons and evil, etc. And then one of them falls in love with an actual demon. And so, obviously, once her sisters find mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. that, you know, Bay is actual a devil, uh, <laughs> they're like, I mean, no, we're not into that. And so she has to uh, navigate that that uh, that uncomfortable moment with her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea is that I'll you can watch this show and get some ideas about how to navigate that in your own life. So I'm prescribing it to them. Give us another one of your prescriptions okay so like let's see um for someone like me i just feel like i'm i don't i don't want to say i don't fit in but i just feel like i'm a lot of times like i said left of center Mm -hmm. just kind of navigating the world with a little bit of rose-colored glasses Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and wanting to to step into all of the things that are for me okay i got you so this this some on the spot diagnosing right here. <laughs> I'm like a, a street pharmacist in this moment where you just rolled up like, hey, do you got any of that? Uh, I'm a left to center. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, but I'm board certified. Okay. Um, so I would recommend to you the show Community. Oh. Are you familiar? I've never watched it, but I am familiar. Okay. So part of the reason why I love Community is because it's about uh, college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it tells those college stories that that feel very familiar to my life. But each one of the so basically, it's a show where uh, kind of the lead character has learned he's like an attorney, but he's learned that he's missing uh, a certain number of credits. So he actually cannot be a lawyer and he cannot he doesn't have a degree because he's short of these units so he goes back to community college to get those units and when he gets there he's introduced to this whole crew of very unique individuals who kind of come together and form a study group at first but then they become a a community of friends so community works on both levels there right so what i love about the show and the reason why i would recommend it is because each one of those people has that kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit of a different thing, right? So there's Shirley and there's Aben and there's, uh, you know, each one of them is a little bit different in their own way, right? But they form a collective. They're not like each other in any way, but they come together mm-hmm. and realize that they are not alone like they might be the only person that has that quirk Mm -hmm. but there are other people who also have quirks and then they find they find community Mm -hmm. um and so i love that so even when you feel like oh i am not like anybody else that's true but there are other people who are also not like anyone else and that aspect of your life can bring you together and can show you that you're not alone 
I like that. <laughs> I am going to have to watch Check community it out. Yeah. And, and see, yeah, and maybe I'll find my tribe of people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like the band of misfits. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love it. And so I want to tell, so we talked a little bit before or at the break about podcasting in general. Yeah. And you talked about how a lot of people come to you and ask you about podcasting. Yeah, and that's there was right. something you wanted to make sure the listeners knew. Sure. So, um the the idea for the TV Doctor podcast came to me when uh I mean, obviously the story of how I started studying television in the first place is part of that. So I knew from a very young age, even though I didn't have language to put around that, I knew that there was something important about television and that television could not be as bad as people were making it out to be. And um, there was it was worth it to kind of investigate how television could help us um, while also staying open to how television could damage us, could harm us. So um, it was 2005, maybe 2006. And uh, I was watching Grey's Anatomy at the time. And, and that was right after, I mean, it was a brand new show and people were obsessed. I mean, people are still lightweight yeah. obsessed with Grey's Anatomy, but uh, credit to Shonda Rhimes, no doubt. But uh, it, this is when it was hot. It was the hot show. So I'm watching it and... There's a little bit of a spoiler that's going to come right now, just in case, you know, 15 years was not enough for you. Uh, but there's a, a character, I'm, I won't tell you which one for those, of, but if you watch the show, then you'll know who I'm talking about. There's a character who lost his dad in an episode. And Christina Yang, who is my favorite, favorite, favorite on that show, uh, Sandra Oh, acting her butt off, mm -hmm. Uh in the character of Christina Yang, Christina Yang goes to this other character and says, um, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad. And now you're in the dead dad club, mm. which that sounds so harsh, so rough. Um, but as a member of the dead dads club, I saw that and I was like, oh, wow. Mm. The dead dads club. My friend Tish calls me up and it, in that moment and she's like are you watching Grey's and I was like yes and she was like we're in the dead dads club that's mm. what it is and that was one of those things that she and I had first bonded over is that we both lost our dads really young and so in that moment I'm thinking like oh wow like we we didn't have language for that 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 thing that kind of bonded us yeah. and we sat there and watched the rest of the episode together on the phone just crying mm. and just really like you know, feeling that. Um, and so then 10 years later, right, mm -hmm. I started thinking more about it. And I'm like, we, we need that. We, I need, I, I know a lot about television and I need to help people find these nuggets mm -hmm. in the television landscape to help them deal with the, the painful or the just uncomfortable or the confusing or the frustrating parts of life. So, um, in and so, that, yeah, that was like 10 years later, but then, you know, life happens right. and you kind of put things to the side. Um, but then in the summer of, I want to say it was 2018, 
yeah, summer of 2018, the wheels started turning. And one of the things that happened was um, I read the book Big Magic. Have you read that? Mm-mm. So Big Magic, the author is Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the one we most know her from. But she wrote this book, Big Magic. Um, It was actually recommended to me by my friend Ashley, who is a a huge book nerd. And that is a high compliment that Mm -hmm. I I pay, not an insult to call somebody a nerd. I love nerds. I am a nerd. I'm a blurred. Um, So Ashley recommended this book to me. I had just had my daughter. And she was like, I really think that you should check this out. And in the book, Gilbert talks about how ideas are like energy and like electricity. You don't see it, but it's constantly moving around. And her her argument is that ideas are like that. They move like energy. And um, sometimes they visit more than one person. So how many times have we seen throughout history where more than one person will essentially have the same idea right but you one person just doesn't capitalize on it or you know move on it before the other person and then we don't know your name at all even though you you also had that idea right so she tells this story about how she was working on a follow-up book to eat pray love and it was set in the like in south america around you know uh, the 1960s mm-hmm. and it's about this woman who's an engineer and she's working on this project but then she falls in love and it, it really becomes more of a love story but it's set in the 1960s South America so she meets up with a friend a writer friend of hers and they're having lunch and she's like oh so you know what are you working on and the woman was like oh well I've got this book coming out it's mm-hmm. going to be set in South America in the 1960s it's this woman she's an engineer and Elizabeth Gilbert is like did she steal yeah. Like, how did you, how? And so she's trying to figure out, like, how did we, how is it that we both had this same idea? You didn't steal it from me, but she just, she had the same idea and moved on it. And Elizabeth Gilbert didn't. She kind of put it on the shelf and let it sit there. Mm. And so she was like, well, I have to just chalk that up to the universe, right? Like the universe whispered to me and it whispered to you, but you were listening. Who acted on it? And I wasn't. Mm. So... I guess that's that's your idea now. So when I read that book, I was like, how would I feel if this thing that I had been playing around with for over a decade, if I were to open up my little podcast app and see somebody did it, mm. I would die. Cuz that's mine. It's my story. That it's my training. It's it's unique to me. That's nobody else's. But I've been playing around with the universe for 10 years. And so now I have to I have mm. to do it. There's nothing that I can do but to do that show. Mm-hmm. And um, there's actually so then I was like, well, why hadn't I done it? Like what was keeping me from doing it? Mm-hmm. And I had to realize it was, you know, devoting all of that energy to my Bruce Wayne to my my job as a professor, yeah. which is a great, incredible job. And I, again, it's one of the best decision, decisions I've ever made in my life was to become a professor um, and study what I study. But it does take a lot of energy. And there's there there was and is energy that I could divert from that and put it into a project like the podcast. 
Um, and also, I had the same questions that I think a lot of people have. Is anybody going to listen? Does anybody care? Who am I to be doing this? Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was a little bit afraid. So there was a uh, an episode of West Wing. Mm-hmm. So I had to give myself some a self-prescription. You know, I had to uh, diagnose myself. Um, there's a scene in an episode of the West Wing where... Um, President Jed Bartlett is having a conversation with um, his secretary, Mrs. Landingham. And he is, there are some interesting circumstances about how that conversation is happening. But he uh, he is trying to decide if he's going to run for a second term of, as president. And she says to him, and I quote, if you don't run because you don't want to, I can respect that. But if you don't run because you're afraid mm. or you think it's going to be too hard, well, God, Jed, I don't even want to know you. Mm. Oh, I got chills again. I got chills again. Right. I did too. So I was like, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this because I think I, I can't not do it because I think mm. it's going to be hard mm. because this is mine to do. So I did it. Got me a little theme song, got me a logo, took the plunge. And I, I love it. I love it. So what I want to share <laughs> then again, that was the long way around, but here we are. Um, if you have been playing around with an idea, it doesn't have to be an idea for a podcast. It can be an idea for anything. And you know in your heart that that is yours. That is your thing that you have been gifted with to share with the people. Look, look around you. We need you. Mm-hmm. You know, we need you to do the thing that you're supposed to do. So... Um, that's all I did. And it's, it's been an incredible ride. It's been so much fun. More to come. Stay tuned. <laughs> that was a whole word. <laughs> that was directly for me. Thank you very okay. much. Yes. Um, wow. We're going to take a break, fam. We'll be right back with uh, Dr. Michelle Foss, the TV doctor. Man, she writing prescriptions. She's schooling <laughs> people. She, little, Her Batman and her uh, Bruce Wayne are both coming out at the same They're time. Here. She's educating us. She's <laughs> dropping knowledge on us. It's all good. Keep it right here, family. We'll be right back after this quick break. She's empowering women through conversation. She's Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. I'm so enjoying my conversation with Dr. Michelle Foss. She is the TV doctor, and she's writing some prescriptions for me today on what I need to do to get my life together. And we're just talking about the connection between our emotions and our life and how we identify with our favorite TV characters, our favorite TV show. There's something about that that resonates with us in a way that makes us hive out like Mm -hmm. like the Lawrence Hive (laughs) for instance or you know just be you know like the Game of Thrones I don't know what they call themselves the Game of Thrones folks but they are like serious you know and just like how we congregate how some of our favorite shows and characters resonate with us yeah yeah it's this has been a good conversation I want to hear your take on reality TV. Yes. <laughs> so I I love reality TV. Um, I call it reality based TV, though, yeah. because it's um, I think that's part of why it is so influential is that people are assuming that it is, in fact, reality just mm-hmm. because it is mostly unscripted mm-hmm. uh, and featuring mostly people that we don't already know. Right. 
Um, so it's based on reality instead of being reality. Um, that's actually a hurdle that we have to jump in the first week of TV crit class, of television criticism class, because uh, even though it is calling itself reality TV, we have to acknowledge all those aesthetic levels mm -hmm. that are separating it from being actual reality, right? Yeah. So there are cameras, there are producers, right? There is um, yeah, a soundtrack, lines, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So so it is television that has been dressed up in a reality outfit, basically. Mm -hmm. But it is still television just like anything, you know, scripted or whatever. Um, so, but that, that uh, confusion that sometimes happens with mm -hmm. that, that genre, um, is really, really interesting to me as an academic. And I have studied a lot of reality-based TV um, because that that pretending that it does, it, the fact that it's pretending to be reality mm -hmm. makes it that much more powerful in a lot of ways. Um, so I've done studies on America's Next Top Model. I've oh. studied Survivor. Um, I'm working on a project about The Bachelorette. I'm mm -hmm. working on a project about Basketball Wives that mm -hmm. we talked about during the break. And uh, like all of the, because it's got that kind of additional boost of power, we have to be that much more uh, critical mm -hmm. and um, intentional when looking at these shows because people are assuming that that's real, real, yeah. Instead of pretend real, mm -hmm. right? So uh, I think you know Survivor is a great example. So the season of Survivor that I wrote on was a season. I want to say it was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, somewhere in there. But and maybe you remember it. It was the season where they separated the different tribes mm -hmm. by race. Mm, yes. So mm -hmm. there was a white tribe, a black tribe, mm -hmm. etc. And uh, when that was announced that that was happening, at first I was like, no, they didn't. But then I was like, thank you, research gods, for mm -hmm. putting this right into my lab, because this is about to be my next paper right mm -hmm. here. Um, so in that episode where they were, they were, or that season where they were basically saying, hey, gather around. We're going to tell you this story about race. Uh, mm. We have to pay attention to what they said, right? It's not just like, I can't believe they did that. Anyway, give me some popcorn and let me just sit, right? right? Um, we have to stay in that moment of that. I can't believe they did that. And and why? Why did they do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, no, I'm here for reality TV. It's It's delicious to me. <laughs> <laughs> favorite program a favorite reality based yes, program yes. oh well are we talking fan favorite or critic favorite Ooh, give me one of both yeah okay so um, my fan favorite is Project Runway okay so uh, but I'm going to tie that with uh, RuPaul's Drag Race because well first of all RuPaul's Drag Race is kind of the perfect reality program because it's all of the other programs in one. Mm -hmm. So I like Project Runway. Oh, well, the queens have to sew. Mm -hmm. uh, I like um, So You Think You Can Dance. Oh, well, the queens have to dance. Mm -hmm. I like, uh, you know, an acting show. Well, they have to do that. I like Last Comic Standing. Well, they have to do that, right? So the fact that these uh, performers, these contestants 
have to be skilled in all of the areas. That's just fantastic. Um, Project Runway, I love just because fashion, yeah. you know, like yeah. oh, eat it up. And also the uh, one of the judges, Elaine Weltroth, oh, is yes. a personal friend. So, oh yay, yay, Elaine. I met her at Sac State uh, at the Women's Equity Pay Day. Yeah, She's yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was there, and her parents were there too. Yes. And her mom was so nice and gorgeous. Yes, and just the best. Oh, I love her parents. Yay, they are fantastic Don't they humans. Call her mom like Big D or something like Tita, that? Tita, Tita, Tita D. D. <laughs> Yay, shout out. Yeah. And, and, and Elaine's expecting a baby, so she sending her is. positive And yesterday vibes. was her Yay. birthday. Oh, Yay. Yay. So happy birthday, Elaine. Yay. Now, my favorite as a critic, mm-hmm. though, um, is probably anything related to The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise. So Bachelor Nation mm-hmm. uh, is the gift that keeps on giving for someone who studies representation of mm. uh, historically underrepresented uh populations so it's just the things that that show is saying about race the things that that show is saying about gender Mm -hmm. the things that the show is saying about sexuality um there's no shortage of things for me to bite into and uh, shake and tear it apart um yeah it's not good let's talk about that it's not good tv but it's uh it's good for me as a critic well, yeah, was it was Matt the first black bachelor? Mm-hmm. And that was what? To be a lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like, just like two years ago, year and a half and that ago. that was like six, ten seasons in or something like oh, that? Oh, more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch it. But yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I approve of that. <laughs> don't, anyone who has not yet seen it, good. You saved yourself. Like, just leave us behind. Save yourself is yeah. how I feel about that. Yeah, and the people were having a fit about that, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But again, stay mad. Be mad. I love that you can dissect television in this way where you can look at it with a critical lens. Yeah. I did have a question for you. Um, what TV character resonates with you most? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I feel like I am a little bit of a lot of different characters, right? So I, I've already told you there's a lot of Spock mm-hmm. in me. Um, I think I'm a little bit of Rainbow from Blackish. Okay. I that character speaks to me in a lot of different ways. Um, I also feel like I am um a little bit of Letty from Lovecraft Country. I would like to think that I'm a lot of um oh why can't i think of the character's name ingenue ellis played her in lovecraft <gasps> hippolyta <Woo! laughs> i'm like where is that brain cell it's running from me um yeah i would love to say that i'm like hippolyta like she's you know the kind of mother that i i like to see um who else that's a very that's a fun question what's your answer oh Oh, wow. Who do I resonate with of the shows that I watch now? Um, mm, man. See, it's a tough that question. Is a, that is a tough Because first of all, I'm trying to think of what I watch. Because I really, I stay in this box of, like, I have the shows that are, like, my, and I know that there's, um, I, I saw this post on Instagram one time that says when you watch the same shows over and over, it's like you're trying to process through mm, <laughs> trauma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that, there's me. some truth to that. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. I have the same shows that I watch over and over. But what do I? What am I? I don't even know what I'm watching now. Well, I do like Queens, but now that uh. you have trashed that. <laughs> You are none of those people. I am none of those people. No. Um, gosh, I don't. You know, I would say I'm probably a little bit like Sinclair. Oh, I love Sinclair. And I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, oh, am I a little regime? I think every woman is probably a little bit of all of those people yeah. in a lot of ways. Right. Mm, yeah. Like, I love Max. Am I Max? I yeah. want to be Max. I, I would like to be Max, but I, I feel like I'm Sinclair. I, like you know, it's, it's it's that running theme of being feeling a little off center. Yeah. So I I feel like I have definitely have some of her where she has a really good heart. Yeah. I have a, a big heart, but it just sometimes I just fall short. So definitely I would say I am. I have some Sinclair tendencies. Sinclair tendencies. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I don't know who else. I don't know who else I would be. Yeah. I don't know who else I would say. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think you that it goes back to what we were saying about um there not being any stories left to tell. Yeah. Well, we know that that's not true because mm-hmm. we can't, you know, find that person, that character that we're like that is me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because so because your story hasn't been told yet. Mm-hmm. So we see glimmers of it. We see a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, but nobody has nailed this yet, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Very true. Hmm. Um oh, there was something. Oh, I wanted to name a couple of shows and just kind of hear your professional take on Uh-oh. them. And most of them are uh, black shows or yes. just shows that are popular in the the nomenclature now. Yeah. For instance, Bridgerton. Okay. Everyone went like totally crazy. I never they saw sure it. They sure did. Me neither. No, okay. I watched uh, the first episode. And then I was like, yeah, no, no thanks. Yeah. I And I know that uh, people are gasping. I have a whole list of shows that people can't believe that I didn't watch or I don't love. And... Uh, but that's the beauty of television is that we don't have to all love the same thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I can love this part of it and not that part of it. Um, so I watched the pilot of Bridgerton and I was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like when it's shows where there's so much hype, I don't. It's I, hard. Know, when, and I finally get around to it. I'm like, oh, this is this is yeah, this is what they were. This is what the hype yep. was all about. Agreed. And so I, I watched. I don't even think I finished the complete episode of Bridgerton. I yeah. was like, oh, I'm good. Not for me. I just got into and this is like so old and lame of me. But for some reason, <laughs> I wanted to go back and watch Atlanta. I love Atlanta. I just finished I watching. I binge watched yeah. all Two seasons, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, ready for season three and four, yeah. Um, your take on Atlanta. I love it. I love it. That show gives me the same kind of authenticity. Like, it passes the smell test. Like, I know those people. Even though I don't know anybody who is exactly them, like, they feel like family. That Like, I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have in in earn a character that is again very complicated very complex very um flawed but learning to kind of appreciate him and love him anyway right in spite of those flaws and kind of feeling like you know where he's coming from um 
That's that's always what I'm looking for. I don't want a show, and this is part of the issue that I have with Queens, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't want a show that has to, or that is trying to, not dumb down, that's not what I mean, but it's it's trying to make its arguments into like the lowest common denominator mm-hmm. for the audience. Mm-hmm. And so what I love about Atlanta, what I love about Insecure, what I love about I May Destroy You is that those shows, and there's more, but those are the three that come to mind immediately. Those shows are like, listen, if you don't get it, then this is not for you. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm not going to take the richness of my experience and my people and and water it down. So not dumb it down, but water it down. Water it down so that everybody feels like, oh, now I understand. Because it's not my responsibility to explain every little thing to you. It's your responsibility to go find out. There's a thing called Google. Mm -hmm. Use it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or don't. You know, if you you don't want to invest that time, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. So, um, love Atlanta. Yeah. I I really... I really like that show now. I can't wait for seasons three and four that they're filming right now in Europe. So that's going to be a whole different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the power universe? Oh, (laughs) Lord. Oh, Lord. So that's another one of those shows that my timeline will be blowing up with, oh, my gosh, this and blah, blah, blah. Uh And I remember there was this big thing about, oh, who, well, spoiler alert, but I literally don't care. So um, who shot Ghost? And I was like, I don't care. Did us all a favor. Bye. Ugh. Not a fan. (laughs) Not oh a gosh. fan uh, at all of none of the universe. None of it. None of the universe. No, I liked. I liked. Um, what's what's the white dude? Tommy. Okay, I like Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested in Tommy. Everybody else, I was like, I can't. St- I cannot tolerate. Well, Tommy's got a spinoff. Great. So. <laughs> I probably won't watch it. <laughs> but I did enjoy Tommy. I I thought that he was he was an interesting character. But everybody else, I was like, no, this is so dumb. This is so stupid. It's just not how I'm. And and I'm saying that as someone who watches The Bachelorette, which is also really dumb and uh, also a colossal waste of my time. But um, no, I'm a no on power. <laughs> On both I'm levels. Gonna watch the, the phones will start blowing up. In a <laughs> like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> Trust all of my friends have already said, including my husband. He's he loves he loves that that I hate it. Not into it. So when he goes to do you what what do you and your husband watch? Together? Oh my gosh! So we <laughs> we have a lot of TVs in the house, and mm-hmm. they each have all of the you know the streamers and all of the things. Mm-hmm. Um. Luckily, because of what I do, that's a tax write-off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, we we do have shows that we we have to check in with each other. So, like especially when a new show comes out, he'll say, "Okay, so are you planning on watching this? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, I'm going to." Mm-hmm. And so then that we just we have a process where we'll say, okay, "Okay, I'm not watching that, so you can go ahead." Or yeah, don't you dare, you wait for me, and then we'll watch that together. Mm-hmm. Um, the big show that we used to watch together was The Walking Dead mm. and Fear the Walking Dead. Um, I've had to divert a little bit of my Walking Dead energy into other directions, but he is still faithful. Mm. I'm going to ask you about this one because I know you did a podcast episode on it, um, A Different World. 
epic, legendary, life-changing. I think for those of us that were in our coming of age years when that came, that was the game changer. Changer. Yeah. Changed everything for me. Yeah. So when that show, that show started when I was in high school. Is that true? I might have just graduated. Mm -hmm. Mm, Is that true? (laughs) I'll do the math later. But anyway, it was right around that time where uh, it didn't, it, I knew that I was going, that I was not going to go to an HBCU. I wanted to, Mm -hmm. but um, I also did not want to leave California. And so until we get an HBCU in Cali, there's going to be a lot of, you know, folks who are feeling that same way. But um, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave California, but uh, I went to Stanford undergrad and we had a, a dorm that was, uh, they have this thing at Stanford called theme dorms where there will be a, a theme for the house and then between 40 and 60% of the people who live in that house will be whatever that theme is. So there is a, a black African-American uh, dorm. That's the dorm that I lived in. There's uh, one for Latinx folks. There's one for um, indigenous folks, Native American there are vegan, there's a vegan house, oh, et cetera. Wow. And so um, that was kind of like a little miniature HBCU mm-hmm. in that larger PWI mm-hmm. vibe, right? So at the end of the day, you could come home, I could come home and feel like I was in Hillman, mm-hmm. even though I was still at, at you know, at yeah. Stanford. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that it meant everything to me. Yeah, and not just about stuff related to college, right? Like stuff related to life, Mm -hmm. but told in a college setting. Yeah. Loved it. Season two forward. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we all talk about season one, like, it was a little sketchy at first. (laughs) Then Debbie Allen came in and kind of judged it up. That's what what Miss Debbie does. That's right. Where can people find you and the podcast and give us some parting words? Yes. So um, you can find me on Instagram at the curious case of M Foss. And you can find the podcast also on Instagram and Twitter at T E E V E E P H D. So that's TV PhD. Um, and uh, you can also go to the website, uh, the tvdoc.com for the podcast and all kinds of other fun stuff on the website. Um, some parting words. Because um, you dropped some nuggets on us. Okay. <laughs> well, I think the, the OK, so there's two things, right? Number one is me encouraging folks to think deeply about the messages that we consume is not relegated just to television. Um, We need, in general, to be more thoughtful about all of our messaging. So, yes, that applies to TV, but it applies to film. It applies to social media. It applies to the books that we read and the magazines. Um, It applies to the speeches that we attend. It's more important now, maybe than ever before, that we are thinking about what we are receiving um, and not just blindly accepting whatever that is. Um, We need to be able and willing to 
be critical regardless of the status of the person who is communicating in your direction. I'm not even going to say with you because a lot of it is just at you. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to be ready to do that work. And it is uncomfortable and it will challenge you and stretch you. Um, but it's necessary if we're going to, if we're going to survive this, we need to be more careful about what we, what we think about what we, what we receive. Um, and then the, uh, the last thing that I would say is just stay open though. That work of criticism can be very closing and, and isolating and lonely, um, but stay open to those messages just because a lot of it seems troubled and a lot of it stays pro seems problematic um we got to stay open to it because if we're not then you could miss some of those signs that the universe is trying to send to you so stay critical but stay open you know yeah i love it words from the doctor herself (laughs) it is dr michelle foss she is professor of rhetoric and communication at sac state and she is the tv doctor make sure you are checking out house calls for the last three episodes talking about insecure i gotta catch up so i'm ready for the (laughs) next conversation that you have that's on instagram instagram live every monday 5 30 where they do a wrap-up of the episode the previous episode of insecure and just kind of talk about your feelings towards what's happening and just fingers crossed that (laughs) all will work out that she'll kick nathan to the curb next next episode oh you know what can we just dig for like a a teensy moment sure into molly yes your thoughts about i mean there's more than we got time for (laughs) i am so proud of molly Mm -hmm. i feel like her we all were ready to throw her completely away last Mm -hmm. last season Mm -hmm. um and everybody was so frustrated with molly but her journey this season so far has been fantastic i'm like Molly is all of us right now. Molly's doing what you're saying Issa should be doing. That's exactly right. Time to that is exactly be, right. And yeah. look how I think love has found Molly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe in the whole like the second you stop looking for love, it'll find you. I don't I don't think I buy that so much. But I will say that she was focused on herself. She was focused on her career. She was focused on her family. And lo and behold, maybe a little Torian sized gift just kind of found its way into her heart. I don't know, but we will see. Uh, we'll have to see about that. Yeah. I sure was. I was rooting for Andrew. I just, oh, I listen. thought Andrew, yes. I thought that would have been the Andrew army. I yeah. guess if we have a Nathan yeah. Navy, we can have an Andrew, Andrew army. army. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I, I said the other night that I think Andrew was probably the best communicator out of all of the men on the show. Mm-hmm. Like he knew how to communicate. Yeah. There he goes. Yeah. He might come back. We'll see. Yeah. The Torian, that would actually be really good for her, I think. I think that he would c- help her to continue to raise her level, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, he could be a partner. Yes. A teammate. Yeah. 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 Ooh. I'm, oh, I'm and, here for and Torian. one more thing. Oh, yeah. Your appreciation of Natasha Rothwell. Oh. We know her as Kelly. I love she her. She is so dope. I love her. Not I love Kelly, yeah. but I love Natasha Rothwell. Yeah. She is a director. She is an activist. Mm-hmm. She is a goddess. Like, I live for her. Yeah. 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 Be on the lookout for her. I think she's oh, going to yeah. do some amazing things. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. <sighs> All right. And Kelly. Prenny's Preguntas coming to a podcast network near you, right? 
Yes. <laughs> I would tune in. I would I subscribe. Would I would too. I would too. <laughs> Family, this has been a wonderful conversation, Michelle. Thank you so much for thank being you. here. Thank you. It's this been my been pleasure. Great. Family, make sure you're following Miss Wanda's Full Circle Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. That is where you will get the entire conversation. That's how we're doing it, family. Show love to everyone you meet, and I'll see you next week. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.